Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 467 for Tuesday, the 30th of August, 2016. Nice to have you here. My name's Robbie Ferguson. Please help me welcome Jeff Weston. I'm here. Hey, Jeff. I hear you had some car difficulties. I appreciate you making the trip. Oh, no problem. It's a good thing you did, too. I did. We have an exciting show ahead. We've Lots. gathered up comments and questions via our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be tackling those tonight. And it covers a wide gamut of your inquiries from Plex to scanners on Linux, uh, apt-get package lists, and so much more. You want to stick around and find out what the show's all about. Mm-hmm. You control it. All right. Here's what's coming up in the Category 5.TV newsroom. A successful experiment has transferred an entire DVD wirelessly in less than 10 seconds over more than 30 kilometers. Opera's password sync database has been compromised, and they're urging users to change their passwords. Google is going to start penalizing websites who use pop-up ads. And a piece of software allows a standard, unmodified USB flash drive to transmit data covertly to a nearby system, even if the system's air-gapped. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show, and thanks for being here. My name is Robbie Ferguson. And I'm Jeff Weston. Jeff! I spent the weekend at the laptop doing a little bit of editing, and we were able to release yet another episode of The Drone Zone. Saw that. Exciting. A lot of excitement around this. Of course, we were looking at Cheerson's CX Stars. It's the perfect kind of uh, back-to-school gift. If you're looking for something that uh, the kids can carry in their backpack or in their pocket that's not going to get damaged, this thing actually fits. The drone actually fits directly in the controller. The controller... Really? doubles as a case that's awesome and then you flip it open and you pull the drone out and you fly around at recess that's cool or in the lunchroom folks so hey check out the dronezone.tv really excited about the direction of the show and all the uh, quads that are coming in for review jeff mm-hmm. you can see here um there's like drones all <laughs> over the place it's amazing our audience seating is supposed to be for audience seating but no each chair is covered in boxes of drones so i've got some catching up to do indeed but I don't think and you're more come mind. every day. No, it's not. It's a terrible job. That's right. Terrible. Flying drones all day. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> Speaking of shows, Jeff, we've yeah. been uh, Becca and I have been looking for my wife Becca. Uh, for those of you who don't know Becca, um, we've been looking for a, a new sci-fi show. Okay. We did Babylon Five, and yep. we got we made it right through till we're like nine episodes from the end. We're so close to finishing it, and I want to finish it for the sheer just, just to the, finish it just to finish it yep. just like i feel honor bound to finish the show but it really went downhill and i yes. really feel like i'm just watching it because i'm trying to get it done the final season did that it, it, not just the final season but some of the later episodes too yeah um and you know no fault of the actors and it's a great special effects and great show but really we're we're struggling with the fact that star trek doesn't start until next year there hasn't been a Star Trek in so many years, and Babylon 5 was really the next best thing when it came to aliens and things like that. And uh, so we try, you know, we, we've, we've been watching uh, Battlestar Galactica and really enjoying that, but really missing society and aliens and things like that. So I've been looking for something. Well, my wife's not a huge sci fi person, mm-hmm. but. Uh 
on Netflix, we have gotten into The 100. The 100, what's that? The 100. It is, I don't know if you quite classify it as sci-fi, but it's set about 100 years into the future after a nuclear apocalypse that pretty much wipes out Earth and makes it unlivable. So each society, continent, however it was broken up, I don't remember now, they, I think it was each nation, fired off um, like a spaceship okay. to orbit around the Earth. A hundred spaceships? No, I think there was 12 in total, 12 or 13. Okay. Uh, to orbit so around that's Earth. not the reference to the no, 100. No, no, no. To, to orbit around Earth until Earth was habitable, inhabitable again. Okay. But, so Earth is like basically Cold War kind of, or yeah. whatever you call it, nuclear winter. Correct. Gotcha. So the show starts off with them sending 100 criminals to there, the Earth. There's the 100. To oh. To report back if it's yeah. livable. Send the criminals. Well, and that's the that's thing happening about the on show. Battlestar, where they're using the criminals to do some of the stuff that they don't want to do. Well, and that's the thing about Turning the show; it's soldiers. really interesting as to what makes you a criminal, how it gets you in jail, and how it gets. I mean, pretty much every crime is capital punishment. Mm-hmm. The only ones who aren't killed are any, is anybody who's a youth. So those are the ones who are jailed, and they're the ones who get sent to Earth. Okay. And then what happens? with this new earth that has gone through a nuclear wipeout. Is it dark or is it? Um, it is intense. <laughs> I don't want to give away too many spoilers. Okay, okay. It hops right into it. About episode two, we're sitting there going, wow. And we're, we're, we're two sep- episodes away from sen- finishing season two, and then there's okay. a third season to go. Cool. And I'm just like, the fact that I'm sitting here right now doing the show is killing me because I want to be back at home watching those last oh, yes. two episodes. I'll tell you what we've been trying is we've been kind of sci-fi hopping some of the popular shows. Okay. So we tried, uh, is it Falling Skies? Falling yeah, Skies. My notes yeah, say I think Falling that's right. Skies is the name yep. of it, not Fallen. Falling Skies. Uh, we watched the pilot of that, and through the whole pilot, I was like really bad acting the writing was okay the the special effects were great the production was great uh, but the acting was poor and the it's very filled with stereotypes and even to the point of racism really which i was pretty shocked at um which you know it just felt like it was they were just trying too hard to make a show right to fill this gap of hey we have no good sci-fis um didn't really didn't really take on the first episode so i said on on twitter and on facebook you know is it worth giving it another episode or two everybody recommended other stuff oh so you know, if something. you've watched falling skies further then let me know what you think of it so then last night we sat down for a show called defiance okay which i've never seen or really heard much about I or anything heard of it. uh watched the pilot of that and unlike falling skies through the whole tr- uh pilot of uh, Defiance, which was about an hour 25 uh, movie length, it felt like we were watching a movie. Oh, really? And I was sitting there, and we've got it up on the big screen through Plex on our Roku, and it was unbelievable. It was like I was sitting there going, wow, through the whole Ooh. pilot. This is the pilot. This is the first episode. So not only was it good acting, but the storyline was thick. There weren't the stereotypes that we had in Falling Skies uh, in their pilot. And there, it, it just didn't feel cheesy. It felt real. Well, it's good. It was pretty cool. Uh, that one's called Defiance. So I've only seen the first episode of either of those. But uh, I think leaning really toward Defiance is a show so. to, to watch. I want to see it. And I, 
just because of that. I haven't even told you about the plot. I know. It's it's kind of a post-apocalyptic world in a way where... And, and same with Falling Skies. Similar kind of premise where aliens came to Earth, um, kind of, you know, went to war with Earthlings. And um, whereas Falling Skies, it seems they're evil, um, this one they've made peace. Oh, okay. But there are still evil aliens right. as well but multiple hmm. races you've got uh, a lot of different types of aliens and they're living in society together and and making it work and uh, it's really cool hmm. but it was a it was a really really good show if you're looking for a sci-fi try it out and tell me what you think there's another one that i've i've seen on netflix but i haven't had a chance to watch it. it's called the 4400 the 4400 yeah, yeah i know it sounds like okay. I'm in, I'm in, I've got like a premise. Uh, the 100 is doing really well, so let's bring out a show. The 4400. The premise of this one. 300 just the description. did well. <laughs> yeah, 300. <laughs> totally different. Uh, but the Chat description room, we're on looking this for one your input too. Is that um, there were um, 4,400 people have disappeared over the span of 50 years, oh. and suddenly they all just reappear unaged. Are they? Oh, did the Greys take them? I, don't know. I haven't watched. We it don't yet. know yet. Oh, but, you don't know. But that's so. I'm intrigued because of that. But it that sounds sci-fi-ish. Hmm. Agamotto thinks it was a, a good idea for a show, and Dooley DeVolcan is just reminding us in the chat room that it's actually an older show. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently. Oh. That's what Dooley DeVolcan says, and he's a Vulcan, so he must know. Oh. It's only logical that he would tell the truth. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, there's uh, lots of good stuff out there. You just have to kind of. What sci-fi shows are really turning your crank right now as we wait for the new Star Trek? We'd love to hear from you. Comment below if you're watching this on demand or join us in the chat room, Category 5 on Freenode. Let us know your suggestions for what Hmm. Becca and I should be tuning into. But so far, it's Defiance. It was awesome. I still think you should check out 100. I think I may. Yeah, it's good. I, I, we like to have a couple of shows per genre. Right. So we've got a couple of crime shows. Like we're watching Murdoch Mysteries, and ah, yes. uh, we love Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, but it's on hiatus right now as they roll into the next season. Um, and then we've got, uh, in that genre, we've got a couple other ones too. Uh, Father Brown is a, an okay. excellent murder mystery that is not dark, and it's fun, and he's, he's a lot of fun. He's quirky. Uh, and, um, and then we've got, uh, you know, in comedy... Friday Night Dinner, unbelievable. Probably the best comedy show really? ever. Never heard of this it. This is a, a British sitcom, and it is fantastic. It's this totally dysfunctional family that get together every Friday night for dinner, and you know, like like you know, a good family. They sit down, even though they don't live. You know, the kids have moved out. They all get together on Friday nights, and the shenanigans are unbelievable. Huh. You you never laugh so hard as you do when you watch Friday Night Dinner. What was that British show you and I used to watch? My Family. My Family. My Family. That was, was a, a great that show. That was a treat. That was and and folks are saying, oh yeah yeah yeah. That was a huge show. Yeah. Um, and and I loved that show. And Chris uh, Marshall from that show. Uh, who played Nick? He was the dumb yep. the dumb son. You know? Yes. Uh, you know, like, oh, what are you doing? I'm I'm. What did he say? I'm I'm bone in a haddock. (laughs) Um, Famous line. Um, So Chris Marshall is in one of our murder mysteries, which is he took over the role as the DI in um, uh, what is it called now? It's on the island of Sainte Marie. um, Death in Paradise. Okay. 
that's a fantastic show. And he took over as the, as the detective inspector. And it's a murder mystery that takes place on an island. It's a fictional island in the Caribbean. And it's, it's good. It's funny. And, and what's neat about it is it is a murder mystery, but it's not gory. It's, it's you know, safe for older kids to watch with mom and dad and a lot of fun for mom and dad. It's got a lot of humor. It's got a lot of um, kind of tension between male and female characters that never really leads to anything. But there's there's always that. And it's the the key thing about Death in Paradise. The mysteries are astonishing. The writing is fantastic. Oh, really? Oh, it is. Um, it's outstanding. It's really, really good. So oh, check that check one out that as well. One out. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're spanning the genres here. I know. But if there's one show you need to check out, it's episode 471. How do you like that transition? 471 is coming September 27th. We've got a uh, 360 camera uh, that was sent to us to actually be able to broadcast and record the show in 360 video. You're going to be able to. Why is that though? Why are we? Why would you do that? Such a special show. Well, because it's season 10. What? Season 10 starts on September 27th. Can you believe? I can't We've believe. We've been doing that. this for nine years. I haven't slept. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. We've had a lot of fun over the years, and we're going to be uh, hanging out with some uh, some co-hosts that have mm-hmm. uh, come and gone. We're going to be hanging out with some co-hosts like yourself that yep. are here right now. Uh, Sasha Dermatis is going to be showing up for the, the second half. That's awesome. Um, because it is a two-hour special, yeah. so you don't want to miss out on that. And, of course, if you are a patron, uh, we're going to be giving shouts out to our patrons as well nice. uh, to thank you for making it all possible. But the exciting thing about Season 10 is that we kick off a life-changing experience. You will never be able to watch the show the same way again. Season 10 is just... It's all we can say. Season 10 is going to be an incredible season here at Category 5 TV. Wild. Kicking it off in 360 video. What the heck is that, Robbie? Virtual reality. You are going to be sitting in the spot that the camera is. Okay, and you can actually look around. Yeah, you can do it like that if you want, <laughs> or you can get a VR headset. Uh, you can use Oculus Rift. You yep. can use um, you can use even something like Google Cardboard, which is a yes. cheap way to do it. You can get them for like fifteen bucks or DIY. But realistically, you want to buy one because it comes with the lenses yes. that really enhance the experience and give you that kind of three D view. So you're going to be here in the studio and able to look around. So if someone comes in behind you turn your head and you're going to be able to see them that's exciting it's a vr experience here at category five but as jeff says season 10 in and of itself is going to be astonishing you don't want to miss it agamomo agamomo took a guess he's wondering if we're doing free linux installs remotely no sure go to (laughs) debian.org go to ubuntu.com and it's free and you can do it local. Download it all you want. We want Ubuntu Mate. Go for it. Uh, what else have we got for you? Our torrent server is up. And thank yes. you so much for everybody who has been seeding our torrents. So the first eight seasons of Category 5 Technology TV are available as BitTorrent torrents. So you can download the entire season in the highest definition that's possible. So for each season, it gets bigger and bigger because season one was like 
240p. Yep. Then we got up to 720p for several years, and now here we are in 1080p. So season nine is going to be a big download. But uh, I appreciate all the seeders uh, who are making that possible. And of course, we've got some seeds here at Category 5 as well. Check out torrent.category5.tv if you'd like to download entire seasons of not just this show, but other shows that exist here on the Category 5 TV network. Is Drones on it? And the Drone Zone is going to be coming to it, but uh, the way it works is you get the back seasons. Oh, right. So uh, until an entire season of the Drone Zone is available, you will be downloading that or watching it on YouTube, watching it through the website, thedronezone.tv, or if you want to download it through the RSS feeds. But then once a full season is done, then you can download the whole thing as a BitTorrent file. That makes sense. Yeah, it works really, really well. Uh, Jeff, we've got to take a really, really quick commercial break. We've got uh, a whole ton of stuff coming up for you, uh, including uh, your comments and questions that have come in through our YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. If you haven't yet subscribed to us on YouTube, hey, if you're watching on YouTube, please do it now. Uh, Click on Jeff's face. Ooh. Yes. Uh, My face has never been touched so much. You can just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> click, click, click. Oh, you got to go like this. Oh, oh. oh my eye. <laughs> Don't net my nose. Um, and, uh, of course, if you haven't yet seen our YouTube channel, go over to cat5.tv slash YouTube or just give us a search on the YouTube.com as well. We're going to be right back. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Weston. Yaman. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? You need hosting. One of the things about a hosting account is you don't want to have limitations put on your website. It's true. How much hard drive space do you have? How many email accounts? How many domains can point to it? Well, we've got an amazing deal for you. For a very limited time, cat5.tv slash dreamhost. For just $5 and a bit of change per month, you are going to get unlimited website hosting, unlimited email accounts on that hosting uh, service. You are also going to receive a free domain name. So your own .com. Nice. To put that amazing website that you've been working on it's on true. there. If you run, if you want to build a WordPress site, fine. Sign up. Cat5.tv slash dreamhost. Just don't put Panama Papers on it. Just don't do it. But hey, uh, it's a great deal, folks. Best deal you're going to find. $5 and change per month. Go to cat5.tv slash dreamhost. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Thank you so much for being here tonight. This is episode number 467. That's 467 hours of free tech TV. That'll keep you going for a day. At least that, binge watchers. Screens all around. Yeah, who needs a new TV show? You need yeah, watch just that many episodes of watch Category 5. There you go. Right. Look at my bald nerd head for an hour. <laughs> Or 465 hours. Yeah, 465, something like that. Uh, Jeff, we've got a, a, a great response from our shop this week. Yes. Cat5.tv slash pie. Once again, a huge seller. And people I appreciate everybody. I, I appreciate people buying it. And, and through cat5.tv slash pie, you can click the link to go to the kit. And then what people are doing is they're cross-comparing pricing and they're saying, oh, well... I don't need the whole kit. I'm going to buy just the board and the power supply and the uh, the case. Right. 
and they're doing that, but having followed the link, you're still giving us uh, 4% of your sale. It goes awesome. directly to supporting Category 5 Technology TV. And, of course, this whole network is available for you for free. All of our shows are free for you to view. They're free for you to download. We do our best to make them easily accessible for you. And we do this for free. We don't take a, a commission or anything like that as well. We do have to pay the bills. We do. You probably hear the fans going. We've got nice air conditioner going tonight. It was a very hot day here in Barrie, mm -hmm. Ontario. And uh, that's keeping us cool. I've got a sweater on. I noticed that. A hoodie sweater because it was so nice and cozy in here. So I appreciate everybody uh, supporting us through our, uh, our affiliate links, our partners, and also through Patreon. And we're going to talk a little bit yes. more about Patreon as we go. Uh, of course, you can find out more at cat5.tv slash Patreon. Speaking of patrons, uh, we've got some email that have come in. Yes. Maybe we're just going to jump right to it, folks. <clears throat> That's good. the show. This is your show, my friends. Jeff, what do you got for me? Okay, so I have an email uh, that starts off with, what a hassle. What? Says, hi, Robbie. I'm just coming up uh, for air after a long season of fighting with my TV computer. Day this is Albuquerque Turkey. Yes, Albuquerque Turkey. Hey, Turkey. Albuquerque Turkey. Day after day. Also in the chat room. Morning till midnight. I'm in and out of the Effie bias. This looks like a big, long email, Jeff. This is a crazy long email. This is like... Are you going to get through this? Well, if we... <sighs> Albuquerque Turkey. If we use up the entire show reading the email, yes. So, I wonder, um, should I take a stab at it? Sure. You want me to? Yeah. Coming up for air... After a long season of fighting with my TV computer, day after day, night after night, I'm still fighting... Albuquerque Turkey, it's such a poetic email. I feel like I'm not giving it the read that it deserves. Let's take it from the top. Coming up for air. After a long season of fighting with my TV computer. Day after day, night after night, I still be fighting. I've seen so much of the UEFI, I think I might cry. I'm living a nightmare. I'm living a nightmare. From MBR to GPT to MBR to woe is me. We'll try the onboard graphics, tried so hard. I even tried an NVIDIA card. Back and forth, over and over. This whole theater PC will be the death of me. Mifuntu ain't gonna cut it. Ubuntu made ain't work. Zorn 11 won't install as being such a jerk. That's it. I give up. I'm installing Windows 7. But even that doesn't work. Perhaps it's time to send this beast to heaven. Nothing will work. Nothing will install. Even compatibility modem smashing my head against the wall. Wait just a second. Min 18 wants to boot. Wonder of wonders. It's working. The Albuquerque turkey is such a turkey. He sends us an email and it's really quite quirky. Still, we promised I'd take a stab at it. What I didn't tell you is that I'd take a rap at it. Uh. <laughs> uh, wow. So that happened? It has been years since I've seen you rap. <laughs> that was oh. amazing. I looked at that email, Albuquerque turkey, and I figured it needed a rhyme. So thank you that for your needs comments. That like a regular feature of the show. <laughs> <laughs> you catch all that? Rap and tech with Robbie. We really set the bar high tonight. That's, wow, I am pathetic. <laughs> I've got nothing. Word. So let's, uh, let's get right into it. Okay. 
We've got your comments and questions that came in on YouTube. You've got them printed out as well. I do. Scott Wood uh, messaged us in response to our Power to You show, uh, episode number 465. You yes, were here. We I had was. our interview, and uh, we talked about that awesome little device. I actually ended up installing one oh, did you? in our bedroom. Nice. Because it just makes no sense to be constantly... I have two of the little wall warts, as he calls them, yep. and, and I've got my phone plugged in, Becca's phone plugged in, and I listen to podcasts all night long, and uh, it's it's finicky, and you know, you've got all these that wires totally everywhere. I sense. love plugging it into this thing. It works so well, and it charges my phone like no other. Really? I was surprised. My, my little uh, Samsung wall ward does yep. not charge as quickly as the power to you. Ooh. I digress. Scott says, many devices that speed charge uh, use 9 volts or even 12 volts to do it. Okay. All right. I did not know this. Uh, although it is true that a 2.4 amp cable uh, capable USB outlet will allow the device to draw more power, many of the new devices will not be able to fully utilize their speed charge capabilities from a 5 volt outlet like he was talking about on the interview. Still cool upgrade, though. That comes to us from Scottwood on YouTube. Thanks for the comment. Uh, all right. Good to know this. Yes. You asked the question about speed charging. I did. I am not familiar with it. Because I'm behind the times. I've got my iPod Touch 5. I've got my uh, BlackBerry, Blackberry Z10. Yep. And I don't think those devices support that. No. I've never used such a thing. So no, I think it's an interesting still need question. To charge with a wheel mouse. But I think he as well. Yeah. <laughs> A, a mouse, mouse wheel. Um, but um, our interviewee also uh, didn't quite uh, grasp the question as well. Right. And so I appreciated that, Scott, you clarifying what it means. So interesting that some devices will take a higher voltage in order yes. to actually charge quicker. Mm -hmm. That's kind of cool. But as I was saying, my BlackBerry charged up way faster and to a fuller charge, it seems, um, plugged into the power to you versus my my little charger that that I always use. That's awesome. So it was pretty good. Well, see, I've got the Samsung you S7 Edge. Okay. So, it, I mean, it's pretty new. Mm -hmm. And I can charge in about, if I drain it to dead, I can charge it in about 35 minutes. So I'd be interested to see how it really? works. Really? Yeah. Is that because this has super a speed fast charge. speed charge? Yeah. That's what it's called. Okay. Yeah. So, so I do you have to use a special adapter for that? Yes. It's, and it came with it, and it's some yeah. kind of. Wall if I buy a generic adapter, then it's the trickle charge. It takes me about two and a half hours. Wow. Yeah. What a so difference. So I'd be interested to see how the wall unit does. Does it hold a charge as long uh, with a trickle charge versus the, the same, speed charge? Same, same thing. It's same just length. charging the battery, yeah. and it hasn't exploded on you. Uh, no. No, I don't believe so. If it is, the night offs have put my phone back together. I actually saw somebody selling uh, a bag that you can charge your devices in so that if they explode, they're safe. And I kind of went... Are we really at that point with I think <laughs> I think sometimes people plug things in to charge and then leave them for weeks on end and don't right. go back to them, and so the battery explodes. Sure, that's going to happen. Uh, I've seen it with, with drones, people charging drones and leaving it. You're supposed to unplug it as soon as it's finished charging. Right. Well, they'll leave it on overnight or, or don't do through the next day. Don't Not a that. good idea. And then you wonder why your charger melts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, just not meant for it. Okay. Oh. You, do you want to move on to the yeah. our YouTube comments section so, here? So, uh, Brittany... Uh, let's let's do it in order, man. Oh, Angel D. Rodriguez. Oh, I totally missed that. This one was in response to our comments on episode number four sixty-two. Yes. We were talking. We were kind of joking about. Does anyone use Yahoo anymore? Yes. 
I know. And what did Angel says, say? Angel says, haven't used Yahoo in a very long time. And then Michael uh, Henriques. Henriques. Uh, he followed up and said, you know what? Yahoo search is horrible. I love this. I accidentally used it. <laughs> I accidentally used it, and it didn't even come close to what I was searching for. How do you accidentally? Probably a browser that had Yahoo oh, set as yeah, the default search or something. It's like when yeah. you get a new Windows computer and it's all set to Bing. Oh, yeah. It's just, whoops. Change it to something else. Not a fan of Bing search either. What's your favorite search? I don't think we're going to get a whole bunch of Yahoo as no. the answer there. My, my default is Google. Yeah. Uh, it's, nothing is better than Google. Uh, the open source folks are going to say, ah, Google. Uh, but, yeah, I like it too. It's it, The results are good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always accurate. And I'm used to using their search. Um, yep. DuckDuckGo is a great alternative if you're looking for something that's uh, private. Because okay. you know Google is tracking everything that you do. But yep. I like to think that they're doing that to improve search results and to improve the ads that I see. And sometimes I do see ads that are quite relevant to me, and I click on them and I buy stuff. Yep. So it's pretty helpful. And, of course, Google being a partner here at the show, they send us checks. Which is a good thing. Which is not why I use them. But it makes me understand a little more the concept of why the the whole way that they do things is important because when you go to our website or, or something like that or watch a video on YouTube, quite often the advertisements that you see are going to pertain to what we're talking about. Right. Which is smart. That makes sense, Very right? Smart. If I'm talking about 360 video, why shouldn't you get an ad that has 360 video cameras versus knapsacks? Exactly. Right. And so the, it's just the, the one thing I do, I mean, I've tried a bunch of different search engines. The one thing that I do like about the Google search is it seems to um, pick up changes to websites so much faster. Like sure. If I do an, oh, their API is awesome. Oh, it's incredible. Like if I do a change to, you know, my website, mm-hmm. then most search engines will have it within about a day. But Google, which is good, it used to be six weeks. That's right. Back when we were starting Google, I'm finding it now within about two hours. Wow. So I'll post a video and it's already up in Google within minutes. Yeah. Because I guess, you know, they own YouTube. So why right. wouldn't it be, right? Well, exactly. Makes sense. Makes sense. So thank you for the comments, Angel yep. and Michael. All right. Now you can now, now I'll Br- go to Brittany. Brittany, See, I'm sorry to have cut you off. It, it's because of the line on the page. And I, yeah. I know. I know. Anyway, I so. put lines on pages and it throws Jeff off. Uh, it's true. All what right. do you got for me so, from Brittany? Brittany says, I'll toss out a couple of ideas on the issue of Plex in hopes of providing some help. This one in response to our discussions about uh, Plex Media Server. Yes. Uh, we've talk, talked about it. Uh, no, uh, last week I had a viewer question. Oh, gotcha. In particular. That That's was right. I wasn't here about, last week. No, you weren't ago. here last week. It gets really confusing when you're not here. And uh, so this viewer question came in. Let's see what uh, what Brittany has to say. Okay, so Brittany says, in my own HT environment, Plex Media Server... Home theater is HT. Yep. Uh, runs as an app on my QNAP uh, NAS. Nice. It's uh, available for available from their app store and it's regularly updated with features. I have Plex clients running on everything from web browsers to Raspberry Pi, Rasplex Distro, uh, PS3, Fire TV, and Fire Sticks, as well as smart TVs from a couple different manufacturers. Having done a little research, it appears to me that the Seagate personal cloud might support the same setup, although I didn't visit the Seagate app store to verify the availability. But this this thread and, and a link is provided seems to indicate so. 
And that's a forum from Plex.tv. So unless the goal is to run PMS on Pi 3, which that is... That is Plex Media Server, just to clarify, Plex. ladies. Sorry. Yeah. Um, which isn't <laughs> a bad goal. I'd look at running it on an NAS. I'm pretty sure Plex runs as a client on Xbox. Yes, it does. I know, I know a few people that run it. Uh, I know my QNAP has plenty of processor and RAM to handle transcoding, but you have to check that out on a Seagate. If you did end up running... Uh, Plex on Pi 3. I don't think there's any special need like Samba sharing on the NAS. You just need to set up the path to the files in the Plex configuration and the same with photo and audio files. I have uh, much more music, some in HDA that I do video on my NAS. It should work great on a Pi 3. Uh, I want to also say that my Plex, my Rasplex client is one of the better ones on my network. It's super cool. Nice. Lastly, on the subject of Plex Pass, as Robbie says, I think it's just a matter of desirable features, although I'll admit that I was happy enough with the basic product um, and the work that went into it that I wanted to support the effort with, uh, from the jump. One feature that's worth the price for me is PhotoSync from phone. It's a lifesaver. I hope this is valuable. Thanks for the show. As far as the Plex Pass... I'm thinking about getting it. Are you? I love Plex. Just the basic mm. software is incredible alone. But f the way my current system is set up, I have to... Uh, all of my stuff is on an, um, an external hard drive. Yeah. So I have to transfer that to my computer, transfer everything over, plug it back in, and then Plex downloads it. So with Plex Pass, you can upload directly from your device. And for that reason alone, I'm going, man, that's a oh, nice like, Yeah, feature. backups from your phone and yeah. so on and so forth. So I think I'm probably going to pay for the Plex Pass. So, I mean, they've, they've got some... The base software alone is super nice. Then to add those extra features... Hmm. It's a good deal. Okay, first of all, Brittany, thank you so much for your e uh, message on YouTube. Yes. This is in response to Tim A's email that uh, was sent in, and, and we addressed it last week. I did my best to answer it. What Brittany has put me onto here, Tim, is maybe I misunderstood how that cloud device was interacting with your network and, and mis just misinterpreted it. Remember how I said Plex Media Server or PMS runs on the Raspberry Pi and then you have your clients throughout your network? Maybe that's where I was mistaken because Brittany uh, makes an interesting comment about her QNAP NAS in that her NAS device itself runs PMS. Right. And then all of her other devices are the clients. So when you sent in your question, Tim, it was with regards to Jeff and I building a Plex Media Server Raspberry Pi 3. Right. So that's the, that was the approach that I was taking. But then I realized after Brittany sent us this message, wait a minute, Tim is actually saying that his NAS can run PMS. So it becomes the Plex Media Server. So then, Brittany also puts us on to this, uh, what's called Rasplex, and it is a different distribution altogether. So when Jeff and I did a PMS server on Raspberry Pi 3, what I think you're looking for instead is Rasplex. Yes. Okay, and what that does is it turns your Raspberry Pi into a Plex client. So then your cloud device, your NAS unit, becomes the Plex Media Server, as you know, you'll understand that following our comments, uh, my, my discussion with you last week. But if that's the case, then you can get a, a couple of Raspberry Pi 3s and throw Rasplex on it. They become your client. They've got HDMI output. They plug right into your TV. And as Brittany's saying, it's one of the best 
Plex clients that are around, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. So check that out. Another thing that you can get is uh, Roku. I use a Roku too, yep. and I've got Plex installed on that, and it's fantastic. It's very um, good. But I do like that Pi supports like a, a USB um, wireless keyboard and mouse, so mm-hmm. you can use that for the search rather than having to fumble through uh, a controller like on the uh, on on the Roku. Yes, mm-hmm. I love my Plex. Thanks, Brittany. Thanks, Tim. Thank you all. all right. What else we got? Okay, Michael. Michael. Michael Riley. Hello, Michael. You want to take it? Sure. All right. Thanks, man. Robbie, can you address some flatbed scanners with Linux? I've completely switched to using uh, Mate and Ubuntu and find everything easy to deal with except scanning. I need to be able to scan photos as part of my volunteer job as a historian, but I've spent evenings checking message boards, the SANE website, then checking reviews of suggested scanners. I'm still in the dark. Why is scanning so difficult with Linux? Hmm. I think that the best thing we can do is demonstrate what we can do. Okay. One of the things that you're missing here in your comment, Michael, is um, there's no details about your system. What kind of scanner are you trying this with? What are you, what are you doing? Um, wh- what error messages are you getting? You mentioned that it's difficult, but no details as to well, what's happening. Are you just not seeing the scanner? I find that scanners are actually quite easy in Linux, and, and the nice thing about it is, unlike Windows, where you've got to install the drivers, Windows 10 is getting a lot better. But traditionally, Windows, you've got to have the drivers, you've got to install them, then you've got to plug in the scanner, and then hope you've got a program that will scan. And sometimes it's a commercial application. It's Photoshop or something like that. You can use GIMP or something else. Uh, your scanner may have come with stuff. Um, I, you know, I've tried on Linux, any scanner that I've plugged into it has worked. We've got an Epson um, EcoTank printer. It works. Uh, my old brother M- MFC, what is it? Uh, MFC 6490 CW. The scanner worked great. Um, and then I've got, what do I have here? This is my Canon Cano Scan. There you go. Classic. Canon Cano Scan, and it says F. Nine one six nine zero zero. I know that's not the model, but it might help you find it. Oh, it's an LIDE thirty five. Okay, there you go. LIDE thirty five from Canon. It's just got a USB port here, so I'm gonna just plug it in. I've got two USB cables here um, to to demonstrate something for you. So first of all, I'm gonna plug in the first one that I have. Okay. Okay. And I'm just gonna plug it in, and I've got Linux up and running over here. So uh, if all goes well, it it should just pick it up, and it, there's not even gonna be any in like I don't see a pop-up dialog like on Windows that says, "Hey, installing drivers." No, it just, "Hey, you installed a printer or a scanner? It works." Right. Done. That's how Linux does things. So when I plug it in, it's done. Should work. Okay. Really? Okay, so let's bring up uh, the tool that I love to use here is uh, called Simple Scan. If you don't already have it, it's available in your repositories. It came with uh, Linux on my system. It came with Ubuntu Mate. Uh, so now that I've plugged it in, I can click here and let's actually go... Uh, let's see, document, preferences, and you can see, oh, there's my LIDE35. It's already detected it, and it even sees my wireless printer over on, across the room and my webcam. 
Wow. But there's the scanner, okay? So it automatically defaulted to 300 DPI. This one's pretty awesome. It goes up to 2,400. Um, that's not too bad. Okay, so if I just take the default settings and hit scan, it's scanning. Yeah, it's making noise. Well, there you go. Well, that was quick. It's, it's moving. There it goes. Oh, nice. And here I was thinking you were going to be scanning just blank. That's where that photo went. <laughs> That's where that photo went. Uh, it looks like it's taken it just with the with the cheap little cable that I put on there. I thought we were going to get to show you what it looks like when you have a bag cable, but it looks like it worked. Okay. Uh, then I can click on crop and drag this crop line around. Ba -ba -da -da -da. There we go. And then I can click on save and just throw it somewhere like my desktop. Now I've got that file here. So what's with the second cable then? I'll or tell you. I'll tell you gun. in a second. Yeah. I'm jumping the gun. Well. I thought that this crummy little cable was not going to work, but it did. So there it is. So you see there's the scan, and I can now work on it in GIMP and fix the levels. Do whatever I need to do. You know how it's done. You've watched the show before. Right? That's creepy. That could be the... Uh picture on your tech rap album that's it we're working on it we've got one track so far that's right. um so that just took now the reason i brought two cables here jeff was simply because i thought that this cheap crummy cable wasn't going to work oh. uh, because sometimes when you plug in a scanner um it will just it will try to fire up and then it won't actually move i've had that happen okay i thought it was going to happen with this cable because it's just a cheap cable if that happens get yourself a better cable that's what yep. the second cable was for. I was going to show you, but okay. um, sometimes with a crummy cable, you'll just it will just sit there and you might even make some noise, but not scan. And if that's the case, um, you'd you'd be able to just replace the cable with something a little higher end, and it should work for you. That's as simple as it is for me. I'd like to know more about your setup, what scanner you're using, what trouble you're having. No, and really, it should be that simple, Michael. What a basic install of Matei or Ubuntu come with all the drivers that are necessary or well the drivers are part of the kernel so that's Linux in and of itself so when you plug something in the kernel says would you got right something okay. got plugged into USB this all happens in a nanosecond the kernel says something got plugged into USB what am I gonna do with it hmm. oh look it's a scanner let's get the driver boom I've and already got does, the driver. And it does and it all does that it. in the background, so there should it be... It talks just like that. Okay. Uh, and it, as you notice, if I go into Ubuntu Mate, which I'm just going to bring up here on my other system, let's just boot her up. Because my main demo system here is using Point Linux. Okay. So, you know, I want you to see on a more modern operating system as well, more modern distro, if it boots up here. Um, can, uh, the simple scan should come with it. Hmm. And as I say, if it's not there, if you're not seeing simple scan, try um, just getting it out of the repository. Use your favorite uh, way of installing stuff and grab it there. But here I am in Ubuntu Mate, and if I go graphics, usually is where you find it. There it is, simple scan, and it's ready to go. It's ready to scan documents. So as soon as you plug in a scanner, it should take. Now I'm wondering if part of the issue is maybe 
um, Michael's trying to load the scanner settings. Like maybe it's an MFP that has the scan print and, and maybe yeah. trying to load the scan through another through, area. Well, a multifunction printer with a scanner built into it, uh, again, when you plug it in and you bring up simple scan, it should show it there. You saw my Epson right. printer. Yeah. It's a wireless printer across the room. I've never set up the scanner. But that's what I'm but wondering. But it took it. If maybe Michael wasn't using simple scan was trying to use another app oh sure yeah i've used for example in gimp there's a create and scan and sometimes it won't work so simple scan is just the de facto i fall back on that so it might be just that simple as maybe you're looking at the wrong app i, I don't maybe. know maybe could be. Let us know, Michael. Let us yeah. know if that helped. All right. We've got to take uh, a few moments to jump into the news. Sure. And then we're going to readdress. Uh, we're going to get right back to YouTube and start looking at uh, all your comments and questions there. So stick around. Jeff, I'm going to throw it over to you in the newsroom. All right. It's Tuesday, August 30th, 2016. And here are the stories we're covering this week. A successful experiment has transferred an entire DVD wirelessly in less than 10 seconds over more than 30 kilometers. Opera's password sync database has been compromised, and they're urging users to change their passwords. Google is going to start penalizing websites who use pop-up ads, and a piece of software allows a standard, unmodified USB flash drive to transmit data covertly to a nearby system, even if the systems are air-gapped. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Now here's another great way you can support the shows you love from the Category5.tv network by shopping at GearBest. That's right, Jeff. Uh, Cat5.tv slash GearBest. It's an online store for the geek streak in you. Or the loved ones. Well, of course. I mean, especially your loved ones, right? Uh, because Cat5.tv slash GearBest, quite frankly, has all of the greatest tech gifts that you could ever hope for at rock-bottom prices. Do they have cell phones? You betcha. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has a wide assortment of unlocked Android cell phones and tablets. What about uh, consumer electronics? Those make a great gift. Absolutely. From high-tech watches to action cameras, headphones, even virtual reality headsets. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has you covered. They literally have it all, Jeff. Literally. Really? It's like a superstore right from the comfort of your own chair at your computer through the interweb. Yeah. I, there's no way they have it all. It's true. It's just a bunch of ele- uh, random electronics. Test me. Um, what about clothes? Yep. Both men and women, fashionable apparel at rock bottom, super duper prices. Kind of like this. Well, look at this coat. What do you think? It's a slimming mock leather jacket. I love it. It's available for less than $30 plus free shipping at cap5.tv slash gearbest. All right. You kind of got me there. Wow. Any other questions for me, Jeff? Uh, Now that the winter has passed, flying season. Do they have any good deals on, say, drone copters? Oh, my goodness. Well, check this out. Dude, they have everything. Check out over 500 various drones. And not only that, they're available marked down by about 30 to up to 63% off the regular price. Love it. 
What's the website again? Well, you're going to find Gear Best on our partners' pages for any of your favorite Category 5 TV shows like New Every Day, Category 5 Technology TV, The Pixel Shadow. Uh, but of course, if you want to shop absolutely right now and you want to go straight to the site, all you have to do is visit cat5.tv slash gearbest. See, that's easy. cat5.tv slash gearbest. That's right. Happy shopping. I'm Jeff Weston, and here are the top stories from the Category 5.TV newsroom. Transmitting the contents of a DVD in under 10 seconds by radio transmission is incredibly fast, and a new world record in wireless data transmission. With data rate of 6 gigabits per second over a distance of 37 kilometers, a collaborative project with the participation of researchers from the University of Stuttgart and Fraunhofer Institute of Applied Solid State Physics, IAF, exceeded the state of the art by a factor of 10. The extremely high data rate was achieved by the group through efficient transmitters and receivers at a radio frequency of 71 to 76 gigahertz in the so-called E-band, regulated for uh, terrestrial and satellite broadcasting. Only in this frequency, a range of millimeter waves are required, uh, the high effective bandwidths available, and the enormous data rates can be realized. I'm pretty sure I messed up that sentence somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Difficulty. It's really fast. (laughs) That's right. Very small wavelength. (laughs) It's very fast. Very high frequency. (laughs) 76 gigahertz no megahertz megahertz no not megahertz gigahertz no wow it it did something cancer causing yeah it did something with that thing at that place to the other place you heard it here folks you heard it here that's right all right (laughs) difficulty is weakening the signals over larger distances though the transmission has to be especially powerful and the amplifiers have to be efficient Now, the next generation of satellite communication requires an ever-increasing data offload from Earth observation satellites down to Earth. Supplying the rural area and remote regions with fast internet is possible, as shown in this trial. Hmm. This is a cool story. I remember reading a news story, I don't remember if it was on the show, uh, but about looking at doing satellite internet to remote areas. Yeah. So, if this is what they're going for, and this is the way they're testing it, it's pretty cool. You could get a lot of broadband internet on those kinds of speeds. Yeah. I mean, from a single signal going up to a satellite and back down to Earth, how many people could actually piggyback on that connection? That's cool. Very neat. That's very cool. All right. Opera's web sync feature lets users synchronize their browser data and settings across multiple devices. Now, Opera is now warning users uh, of the browser that an unknown hacker has managed to gain access to its sync system, potentially compromising the data of around 1.7 million users. The Norwegian company said in a blog post, some of our sync users' passwords and account information, such as login names, may have been compromised following the hack, and encouraged users to reset passwords for third-party sites. Now, although Opera uh, only stores encrypted or hashed and salted passwords in the compromised system, they have reset all of the Opera sync account passwords as a precaution. I don't think I've ever used Opera. So I think I'm probably safe. Operetta, maybe. I don't think I've used Operetta. He missed it. GWG gets me. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> you have know, to fill like the opera, like the music. I've never been to an. Nope, never been to an opera. All right. I had to pause for a second. Been to the ballet, but never the opera. All right. Yep. All right. <laughs> okay. From opera to Google, Google, Google is going to be penalizing websites that feature intrusive pop-up advertisements. It's updating the algorithm, algorithms used to rank its search results so that offending pages are more likely to get lower placings. Google uh, makes much of its money from placing ads on the mobile web. One expert said that the company wanted to give users one less reason to use ad blockers or search within apps instead. For its part, Google said that the move should make uh, using some of its results less frustrating. The change is due to come in effect on the 10th of January. So you're going to have to wait a little bit, but it's coming. Researchers have developed software that turns unmodified USB devices into covert transmitters that can funnel large amounts of data out of air-gapped PCs. The USB, so named because it behaves like a bee that flies through the air, taking bits from one place to another, is in many respects a significant improvement over the NSA-developed USB exfiltrator known as Cottonmouth. That tool had to be outfitted with a hardware implant in advance and then required someone to smuggle it into the facility housing the lockdown computer uh, which was being targeted. Now, USB, by contrast, turns USB devices already inside the targeted facility into a transmitter with no hardware malfunction required at all. Modification. No Modifications. Hard- a lot of these devices uh, require them to, like, somebody to actually hack the device and put right. it on site, but no. Not so much now. Right out of the box. Yeah. Now, the researchers say... We introduce a software-only method for short-range data exfiltration using electromagnetic emissions from a USB dongle. Unlike other methods, our method doesn't require any transmitting software since it uses the USB's internal data bus. The software works on just about any storage device that's compliant with the USB 2.0 specification. Some USB devices, such as certain types of cameras that don't receive a stream of bits from the infected computer, aren't suitable. USB transmits data at about 80 bits per second, fast enough to pilfer a 4,096-bit encryption key in less than 10 seconds. Mm. This is kind of crazy. You think you're safe with an air-gapped computer, which is to say the computer is not connected to a network. It's not connected to the Internet. Uh, It is uh, air-gapped. Right. But someone can plug a USB flash drive into there, or give you a flash, or use just any USB flash drive to now transmit what's going on on that air gap computer to another system. Nothing is safe. Conspiracy theories abound. Yeah. See, and and again, as I'm reading the story, I think of a Tom Clancy novel because I'm a big Tom Clancy guy. All where right. there was something done like this with USB devices. There you go. Tom Clancy's in on the NSA conspiracies. He does have... That's a conspiracy about conspiracies, which isn't the same thing. That's true. Yeah. Unfortunately, (laughs) he's passed away, but uh, almost a year now. But uh, yeah, he did have special, like, secret security clearance with uh, the... Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he may have been in the know. You never know. You never know. Took the secrets with him. All right. Big (laughs) thanks this week to Orange Man... Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us. If you found a news story you'd like to send, email it to newsroom at category5.tv. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. 
From the Category 5.TV newsroom, I'm Jeff Weston. I just like to throw tongue twisters in there for you, Jeff. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's getting there. <laughs> C-128D uh, responded to episode number 465, the comments that we had there, and says, Robbie! If the information on your website that episode one aired on September 25th, 2007 is true, then YouTube was already around and active for two years when you started. You lied. The domain YouTube.com was activated Monday, February 14th, 2005 at 9.13 p.m. I love the precision. That's right. How many seconds was that C128D? (laughs) I don't know about the validity of your statement if you don't know the seconds. Uh, The first video was uploaded on April 23rd, 2005. Facebook started over three years before Category 5 as well. (laughs) Launching on February 4th, 2004. Although it wasn't open to the general public until 2006 in September. Still, that was a year before Category 5 launched. Okay. Was that a discussion that you and I had? Yes. Okay. First of all, Category 5 Technology TV began broadcasting in 2007, a live show. However, before that time, there was no live streaming available. Right. So we had uh, videos that were recorded and then uploaded to online streaming services. So Category 5, in essence, was around well before Category 5 Technology TV existed. It was simply, um, it was just, I think it was like, tech tips with Robbie Ferguson technologist or something silly like that. Yeah. You know I've been doing it forever. It's been a very long time. So, so that, but all your statements are, are no doubt true. Yep. I am a liar and a thief and uh, I apologize. Shame on you. Shame on me. Yeah, I'm trying to think. My statements were a little tongue-in-cheek though. <laughs> when I say we've been around since before YouTube, it's, it's kind of a cocky thing to say. It's more like, yeah, I'm being a little bit tongue-in-cheek there. Although the we had is, been broadcasting before HD was invented. Yes. <laughs> in 1976. I mean, um, but we have been doing this a long I say we because I'm here now, but yeah, I mean, you have been doing this a long time. Because, I mean, I've been married 11 years. Yeah. And the show I was on, I don't even think I was dating my wife yet. Well, you were on episode four, so that was in 2007. That would have been October 2007. Okay, well, I... So you were married at that point. I was. However, we were doing stuff before hmm. we actually started doing the live broadcast. Hmm. Hmm. I feel hmm. like I remember... I think, no, it wasn't season... It wasn't episode four. It was episode nine. How's nine. that? Yes. Yeah. So that would have been uh, October, no- November of 2007. Now you know. Good times. All right. What else have we got? All right. Uh... Mr. Vids. Mr. Vids. Mr. Vids. Wants to know, why is it so difficult to find a list of the software packages that are stored within these repositories? Hmm. Even after all these years, Linux developers sure don't make it easy for the average casual user to figure this stuff out. Slash var slash lib slash app slash lists slash then ls oh that's that's oh yeah those are my notes oh those are your notes I, here i thought <laughs> he's, reading, he's reading the question and then he's reading the answer that i jotted down here that's just to give uh, me yeah yeah i thought those were notes saying, sorry dude. here's where you find it mr vid says why you gotta read it like that unless you're gonna wrap it why why is it so notoriously difficult to find out the list of the packages in the repositories that's where my note says hey dude check out var slash lib slash app slash lists yes that's the point of that comment. 
Okay. I'm going to jump over to my Linux machine right up in this. And uh, Mr. Vids, let's check it out. As Jeff added to your question, lib apt list. Okay. So what this is, is a, uh, these are the repositories um, that you have currently running in apt through your sources.list. Okay. So you'll notice that there are some files here that end in underscore packages. And those files actually list all of the packages. So let's look at, for example, let's grab one of the, the main repositories that we use. So, and, and I know it looks a little complex. It's not really, but let's, okay, here's AMD 64 packages on the Debian mirror. Okay. So if I copy that and I nano it so that we can bring it up into an editor, there's what it looks like. Notoriously difficult, right? But here are the, okay, ALSA tools, package, ALSA firmware loaders. What a mess, eh? This has got all the, you know, the SHA uh, MD5 sums of every package and blah, 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 where it's located. All right. Uh, admittedly, not ideal. So here's a quick tip for you. First of all, let's find out what packages we, what package lists we have. So I can do that by going into the folder var lib apt lists and do an ls, which is to list the directory contents. And then I'm telling it to list only things that start with anything but end in underscore packages with a capital P. And there's a list of all 